Hello and welcome to the Saints Church Podcast. My name is Nathan and today we've got Pastor Jeremy bringing the word uh, in our series Brick by Brick. Let's jump in. Brick by Brick. That's how we build, that's how we walk, that's how we move. Proverbs 24, verse 3 to 4 says this, and I'm reading the Amplified Bible. It says, through skillful and godly wisdom, a house or a life or a home or a family is built. Skillful and godly wisdom, a house, a life, a home, a family is built. And by understanding, it's established on a sound and a good foundation. And by knowledge, rooms are filled with all Precious and pleasant riches. Other translations say that the rooms are filled with all spiritual riches. So what this scripture is telling us about how we build our lives and how we move as God's people, how God wants to build his church, he wants it to be built through skillful and godly wisdom. He wants it to be built uh, through understanding that we need to have an established, sound, proper foundation. And then the other thing is, is that there is knowledge that brings us to spiritual blessings, pleasant riches. Sometimes you don't know what you don't know till you know it. And so when you know, when you gain knowledge, when you get understanding, you're able to build something that is fruitful and grows. But sometimes we miss the mark because there's no knowledge of to how or why or what we should be doing. And often, I believe this, when, uh, whether or not we build by design, okay, you know that, like you can build design-built homes or custom-built homes, whether you build by design or by default is dependent on the things that we seek out when we're establishing the foundations. Whether we build our lives by design or by default will be determined on the things we seek out when we're building a foundation. The foundations that we build upon must be intentional because if we just hope that the foundation gets there, we, we sometimes find that things shift, move, and, and life is like that. But intentionality in foundations is how we establish and we should be building our lives. And it's how God wants us to build his house. Proverbs talks so much about wisdom and understanding, um, and, and, and he's the writer saying, "Son, go get wisdom. Go find understanding. Chase it down. This is of utmost importance in life and in our lives. If we want wisdom and understanding, we need God's design." I honestly believe that we need God's design. We need his word. Uh, It's the very thing that his house and his people should be established on. But all too often we can get mixed up into the building process and we forget the design or the pattern or the plan or sometimes we just don't know. And when we get the knowledge and the understanding of it, we are able to build a little bit differently. And I think it's important for us to seek out a word from God or the word of God when we are building the house of God, when we're building our own house, when we're building our own plans, when we're building our own lives. The word of God should be a part of the foundation. And we've been talking a little bit about brick by brick. And in your mind in scripture, it should go to Ezra and Nehemiah. A lot of times... um, when we talk about scriptures on building, we'll, we'll end up here in Ezra and Nehemiah. And if you didn't know that Ezra and Nehemiah were really, uh, originally at one point, they were considered to be one book. So it's kind of strange when you're trying to figure out the timeline of Ezra and Nehemiah. Um, Ezra chapter 3 is actually kind of part of the start uh, 
of the story, one of, or Nehemiah, and, and they kind of interlay, and, and they're talking about things that seem to be simultaneous, but uh, they're in all different orders of chapters, and it's just the way they've been telling the story. And uh, Ezra and Nehemiah also have another character in there, and his name was Zerubbabel, and, and it's kind of how the, the rebuilding of the temple after the Babylonian captivity, after exile, there was a pattern, a plan, and a process, and they all kind of had their own part in the work. Zerubbabel goes back, rebuilds the altar. He takes the first group of people after the decree of Cyrus. He goes into Jerusalem. He brings the people. He starts rebuilding the altar and the foundation of the temple. And then you have Ezra comes, and he, Ezra is kind of the one that's trying to establish the word of God, the, the way the people are supposed to be living, how they should be building, all that stuff. And Nehemiah goes in, and Nehemiah is a little bit concerned about some of the breakdown in the wall, and, and, and that could speak to so many things, the breakdown in the lives of the people, in the way that things have been going. And, and he's trying to strengthen those things. And all three of them kind of coincide, keep on with the work of God and what he's doing. And, and we're going to talk today a little bit about foundations. Because when we look at our lives, when we look at the house of God, it's easy at times to just keep going and just keep building. But sometimes when we're building stuff that doesn't line up or, excuse me, it doesn't match or it shifts away from what the foundation is, things can get a little off kilter. And, uh, you know, so when you read uh, Ezra and Nehemiah, there's also uh, Malachi and... um, my mind's blank and I forget the other one. One of the other prophets uh, directly speak into this time of building. And their whole kind of story is this, and we might get into this in the next few weeks. Um, after the Babylonian captivity, uh, they come back to destruction and they come back to life in ruins. And the whole kind of theme of the book is that exile is not the end. Rebuilding and the things that you go through and all that stuff doesn't always go away in this life, but there is something that God is working and doing and calling his people to if we would continue to search for it. And that's kind of these overriding themes. And in Ezra chapter 3, verse 3 and verse 6, it says this, Then Jeshua the son of Jehozadak and his brethren the priests and Zerubbabel, the son of Shealti and his brethren, arose and they built the altar of the God of Israel to offer burnt offerings on it, as it is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. So Zerubbabel wasn't building an altar just for the sake of building an altar. He built an altar because the word of God had described and shown how the people of God were to have foundational truths in their life and how they were to offer sacrifices and present themselves to God. So he is building the altar. Why? Because we talked last week about when you wake up and you find everything in ruins, Maybe the best place to start is with an altar and a fresh surrender towards God. But he's also doing it because he knew it was the plan and the pattern of the word of God to have that heart of worship and that placement before God. So he starts by building the altar. But in verse 6 it says, From the first day of the seventh month they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. People are probably wondering, Zerubbabel, we thought we came back to build the temple. We thought we came back to build the church. We thought we came back to do these things. Why do you have us starting with an altar and and building the altar and they're offering sacrifices and they go home and then they come back at night and they go 
home and they come back in the morning and they're offering sacrifices to God. And there's this picture and pattern of there is a process to the foundations, even before we lay the foundations of how we offer our hearts and lives to God. Because what I want you to know this morning is this, that it's important to start with an altar because idols are very opportunistic. It's important for us to build an altar or the right altar in our lives because idols are very opportunistic. If we go back a little ways in the story, there was this king named Jeroboam. Everyone say Jeroboam. Jeroboam was not a good guy. He was kind of a little bit sleazy, and he just kind of was looking for the easiest way to, to, to build his kingdom. And, and Jeroboam builds the wrong type of altar. And if we don't get the right altar, the right heart before God, even at the foundation point of the church, of our home, of our family, There are so many things that start taking the place of worship and they start stealing the direction and the ideals that keep us in the right plan and pattern and purpose of God. Now, hear me on this. This is not some message saying like, if you don't do everything right, you'll miss the purpose of God. No, life is shifting, changing, and and, and this is why the altar is so important. Young people would come to me all the time and say, Pastor Jeremy, I'm so worried that I won't get it right, that I'll miss the purpose or the call of God in my life. If you keep your heart right and soft towards God, he will keep calling you back to that call and that purpose. I don't believe any person does it perfectly. If you read the Bible, there are so many times, if you want to talk about people in the scripture that lived out the absolute perfect will of God in their lives, they all made mistakes. And it was the ones who had a soft heart and they kept turning back their heart with that altar towards God that he kept pulling along and bringing along and restoring and moving forward into his purpose in life. So we need to know that. But if we're not careful, we build the wrong type of altar. So Jeroboam, he builds an altar in 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 28 to 30. says this, So on the advice of his counselors, the king made two gold calves. I mean, sound familiar? Like Aaron in the desert. Moses goes up to the mountain pray. What's this gold calf? Aaron, lead priest. I don't know. The people just started worshiping, praise party, threw all their jewelry in the fire, and this calf came out. You know, like, Aaron, come on. Get a handle on it. Some things went wrong. Now, Jeroboam's like, no, 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 let's do this. Two gold calves. And he said to the people, listen to this, it's too much trouble for you to worship in Jerusalem. Look, Israel, these are the gods that brought you out of Egypt. Same language. And he placed these calves in Bethel and in Dan at either end of the kingdom. But this became a great sin, for the people worshipped the idols traveling as far north as Dan to worship the one there. So read on in 1 Kings 13. At the Lord's command, a man of God from Judah went to Bethel, arriving there just as Jeroboam was approaching the altar to burn incense, which is not what God asked him to do. Then at the Lord's command, he shouted, O altar, O altar, this is what the Lord says. A child named Josiah will be born to the dynasty of David. On you he will, be sacri- he will sacrifice the priests from the pagan shrines who come here to burn incense, and human bones will be burned on you. I mean, everybody wants to prophesy, but that one's a little bit... Um, 
That's the kind of prophecy, if it doesn't happen, they stone you. Um, but here's what happens. So the king gets so mad at the prophet, he actually like shrivels up. And then he gets fearful. Prophet says a word, God heals his hand. And the, the altar actually, it says, would split in two and ashes would pour out. And here's kind of this story about what happens when the wrong kind of altar is present, when the wrong kind of idols are present in our lives. See, the funny thing about idolatry is that I don't believe people are purposely trying to get caught in a trap. Most people don't wake up in the morning and say, I want to be an idol worshiper today. I want to make an inanimate object or something or some person, or something in my life, I want to make that the most important thing and the God of my life. You usually don't wake up in the morning even thinking about it. But that's the thing about idolatry. Idolatry is a trap. Idolatry comes out of ease and convenience. Idolatry comes out of not having a proper design, pattern, or foundation. And so Jeroboam's idea was, the counsel of my advisor says, let's not make it difficult on the people. Let's change God's pattern and plan. And we'll say, here's these gold calves. You can go to whichever one works best for you and not follow the plan and purpose and design that God has given. I remember when I was a teenager, and I think I've told this story before, but I don't remember what message I told it in. We would play this game because um, at Christmas, all my cousins, we would get bored, and we would try to set off mouse traps without getting our fingers caught. <laughs> but like, eventually, you get older, and they like the mouse traps change to those little plastic ones that just kind of clamp down. Like I'm talking like the the hard metal wired ones. Like, and and I just see this. I remember like. I kind of wised up a little bit, but I'd have my older cousins, like 17 years old, be like, Jeremy, just, just stick your finger in there. I think you're fast enough. I'm like, and you know what happens is like, you're just kind of playing around and like someone can do it, but eventually somebody gets hurt. One broke skin or got very hurt at some point. And this is the thing about idolatry. And this is the thing about building the wrong altar in our lives. We start worshiping things and chasing things out of ease and convenience. And we ignore the patterns of the foundations that God wants us to have in our lives. And it's something that every single one of us have to check in our lives once in a while because we, we start by, well, it's not that bad. We're just kind of flirting with it. It's one of those things. And eventually something snaps and you get hurt. Or I get hurt. Or someone around you gets hurt because idolatry doesn't serve the best of people. And most people aren't trying to get caught in idolatry. Maybe sometimes they're just trying to test the limit. But the idea of worship with convenience over truth will always work a disconnect in our lives from the foundations that God meant for us to have. I believe the enemy would love for us to build on cultural perspective rather than God's foundational truth for our lives and for his house. And we have to be very careful because we, we also, we, we've heard these things and we say different things that the, the methods might change, but the message never does. And it shouldn't. But sometimes we got to be very careful because if the methods start uh, disconnecting or they start becoming the idol that separates from the message and the thing that God is trying to do, we got to be very quick to align with that. And know that the things that we do, no matter how we try to reach people, all the the crazy, the wild, the cool things we do, it's for the purpose of glorifying the message and the encounter with Jesus more than just the stuff. 
And the enemy would love for us to build out of a cultural perspective rather than God's foundational truth for our lives and for his house. And it's interesting to note that when the house of God was built, every time throughout the Bible we see the house of God being built. So the tabernacle of Moses, we see Josiah's reform, the rebuilding of the temple, all these different things. It's always central to a gathering place of the people. The foundations that the house is built on were to be a gathering point that flowed out to the foundations of how people built their lives, families, and spoke and treated their neighbors around them. And so what we need to understand is that the altar is important, the right altar is important because idols become very opportunistic. And if we're not careful, we find that they can creep in. The other thing that I want us to know today is this, is that foundations are formative. And God's word must always be at the center of that formation. If the right altar is important because idols are opportunistic, foundations are the things that are formative. The foundation is what gives the long-term trajectory and the place for us to build. And we need to keep God's word at the center of that foundation. Now, whether we're talking about church, whether we're talking about our families, when we're talking about home life, we're talking about relationships, foundation, the foundations you build on are the formative things that determine whether you have strength or structure or longevity or not. And so we're going to flip to another king. So we talked about Jeroboam. Well, when we flip to the next king, we're going to go to Josiah. Because Jeroboam let this creep in and he let this uh, idolatry come in because he just said, let's, let's build an altar of convenience and ease. But Josiah comes onto the scene. And uh, in 2 Kings chapter 22, this prophecy starts being fulfilled. Now let me tell you a little bit about Josiah. Josiah is eight years old when he becomes king. I remember um, my children at eight years old. Um, I don't remember me at eight years old, but I feel like at eight years old, uh, being king, that would be a scary thing. If my eight-year-old ruled my house, um, you know, I just, I just don't know. <laughs> I mean... I don't know what would be going on, but Josiah becomes king at eight years old. Now, here, here's the difference. In, in the, the lineage and the, the royal line, wow, that just got bright. Brick by brick. The lights are working now. Um, at, just setting a mood, and now I'm going to talk in my low, quiet voice. No. Um, <laughs> so Josiah becomes king at eight years old. Well, it was a little bit different because he was the royal heir. So there would have been governors and advisors and people who ran the kingdom, the day-to-day, -day, the taxes, like all that kind of stuff. They would have been there to help him walk through those things. But still, he was a supreme ruler. This was the way the kingship was. So at eight years old, he becomes king. Now, listen to this. This is amazing. At 16 years old, he starts seeking out God for himself. Get your kids to youth group. Like you guys, I, I, I was a youth pastor for a long time, but here's the thing. We, we do these things, why? Because at every stage of life, eight years old, he had good advisors. We need strong kids' church. At 16, he encounters Jesus. He starts seeking him. They need advisors. They need counsel. And by 20, he starts doing things and dealing with things that should have been dealt with for a long time in the land. 
So at 16, he starts seeking God. He wants to be like David, not like the other kings. He wants to be a man after God's heart. And he starts dealing with his own life. And at 16 years old, he starts encountering God. But by the age of 20, he actually starts going through the land and starts dealing with idols. He starts doing this on his own. But by age 26, he starts rebuilding the temple of God. So here's this pattern. Seeks God, starts trying to please God, doing things for God. Then he starts seeing the value of the house of God and where other people can come and experience God. And he starts rebuilding the temple. But yet the greatest change in Josiah's life came when they were rebuilding the house. And Hilkah, one of the, one of the officers, one of the priests, he comes and he found a copy of the word of God hidden in the walls in the temple. And he brings it to Josiah, and he gets so excited about what God is doing. But actually, it was kind of like a a scared, happy, sad, I don't know how to feel about this, because it was very eye-opening when the word of God became present. When they were trying to reestablish the temple, all of a sudden, God's word comes to the forefront, and they had choices to make. And I want to say this. I want to say, like, Ezra and Nehemiah and Zerubbabel, and also like Josiah... We can have an idea in our mind and try to build what was and what we think we want and where we want to go. Or we can find the word of God or a word from God and establish the things that we built on those truths and those patterns. See, when they went back to build the foundation in Ezra and Nehemiah's day, there was a little bit of a mixed conflict that we'll talk about when the foundation was finally built. Some were looking for a former glory. Some were happy because they felt like it was moving forward. Some just felt like this is not what it's supposed to be. It'll never be the same. And there was this whole bag of mixed emotions. And that's why the word of God has to be central because it's the word of God that leads us in the pattern and purpose that he has for us in this moment and in this time. And when we're trying to build our lives, we're trying to build God's house, when we find out that there is a pattern, there is a purpose, there's a way to do it, it should be exciting. But it always leaves us with this question. If we are going to, if we're called to respond to God's word, kind of like this, watch HGTV, are you going to love it? Or are you going to leave it? Because realistically, like that, that's the choices we have when it comes to the word of God. Are we going to love it and are we going to let it work into our hearts, our lives, our character, our being, even when we don't like it at times? Or are we going to leave it and, and try things our own way? And, and we are confronted with those things. But when we're confronted with those choices, when we, like Josiah, build the foundations of God's house, our house, our lives, on the formative truth of God's word, we'll find ourselves faced with three things continually. Whenever you say, I am going to get the word of God in front of me, I am going to build my foundations of my life, I'm going to build my family, I'm going to serve God, like I'm going to, I'm going to build the house of God. We could do a whole, like, let's build God's house campaign. Uh, we build an amazing church. I want this building to be known in this community. I want this property to be used for God's glory. But guess what? We can do all those things, and, and we do it. But the, the reality is, is when we do that, the foundations have to be around a, a word from God that calls us always back to the word of God so people are encountering Jesus and who he is and their lives are, are uh, intersected or they collide with the gospel and, and, and a new way to live. 
and a new way to see and a new way to walk because of the grace of God. But the grace of God calls us to make decisions, and when we make decisions to follow the word of God, I think we can always expect at different points of our life to cycle through these things. There will be oftentimes where, number one, God asks us to make a heart change. The first thing that Josiah had to do when he heard the word of God, he tore his robes. Because it was humbling at first. There are moments in our lives where the word confronts us and, it, and it's humbling because we know we're not really where things should be. We, we know that things need some adjustment, that the foundation needs work, and it can be humbling. And Josiah tears his robes because he is grieved and, and, and he is finding a place to humble himself before God. The next thing he does, though, that shows that Josiah had a heart change was he gave the word its rightful authority and its rightful place. It says he went out and he stood by the pillar and he read the word of God. He, he proclaimed it. He gave it a place of authority. And the heart change also brought him to start cleansing the temple. I mean, come on, we want God to to cleanse the world and change people and change communities and and all of these things. And I, I believe he can do it. But when we are faced with the word of God, a heart change says that we clean the inside out first. Sometimes there is a work that goes on that when we're confronted with the word of God, he starts cleaning out the temple. Now, whether we're talking about sometimes the church, sometimes our own lives, sometimes we got to realign and see what are the things that we're doing that we're actually supposed to be doing, and they're not just stuff for the sake of doing stuff. And so a renewal of God's word and design in our life and in our house will continue to lead to the cleansing and uprooting of idols and selfish ways within us and in his house. Why? Because he wants us to bring, be brought back to the design and the foundation of his word. So when we are confronted with the word of God, we, we have to be ready for, God, this is going to bring heart change, but it's also going to bring head change. It's going to change our thoughts. It's going to change the way we think. It's going to change the way we see things. See, Josiah had good advisors and he had good ideas. I actually thought Josiah was doing pretty good up till 26. I mean, here's a young man that from 8 to 16 held the kingdom together. 16 to 20 starts seeking God on his own. 20 to 26, he's like, okay, i got to deal with some idols. I'm going to deal with some things, and I'm going to start building the temple. He had a lot of good ideas, and when he was confronted with God's word, he realized that good ideas are not enough. God's word is the thing that has power to bring truth and change in lives. And so what Josiah said in 2 Kings verse 23, and where his thinking changed, I believe, is in this scripture. He said this, King Josiah then issued this order to all the people. And this is a weird one. You must celebrate the Passover to the Lord your God as required in this book of the covenant. Church, life is not just about good ideas anymore. It is about God's plan and his way. So why Passover? Well, if you want to change the way you think and the way you see people, the way you see yourself, and the way you see the world around you, the best place to do it is to see the shedding of the blood of a lamb. 
And when they celebrated Passover, they remembered that their sin, their guilt, everything needed to be covered and God was going to make a way. And so when we need to change our thinking, we need to look to Jesus. We need to look to the cross because nothing greater will happen in our lives and change the way we see and think and carry things than when we get it through the lens of the blood of Jesus and how much it means to us. Because this world will disappoint us. This world will leave us wanting. This world will break down and fall apart. And God has stepped in and intervened. And it happened at the cross by him providing a way saying, this world is not the end. And when we begin to see people through a lens of eternity, when we begin to see our lives through a lens of eternity, it it, it challenges us to shift our focus. So when we build by the plan and pattern of the word, we'll be confronted with heart change, with head change, the way we think, but it also calls us to life change. See, it's one thing to say, it's like, well, you know, I've had a change of heart. Great, good for you. Did it change your life? I've changed my mind about that. Good for you. But did it change the way you lived out your days, the way you walked out your life? You see, 2 Kings 23 verse 25 says this, never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all his heart and soul and strength, obeying all the laws of Moses, and never has there been a king like him since. Change always starts from the inside out. It starts from God's word having its place in his house, from God's word having its place in our hearts and in our lives. And what we are building in his house is foundational. And we need to look to the word of God because when our lives are changed, life around us should change. And and, and that happens when we follow the pattern of his word. That's why we sit under the teaching of the word. That's why we take it in. That's why we mull it over. That's why we meditate on it and we move through the word of God. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And I just want to close with this, Isaiah 55. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 55. I think for me, one of the most exciting things about the foundations of the truths of God, of his house, of his people, I don't have to be that smart to figure it out. I just have to be willing to take in the word of God. But, but, the, but the challenging part is, is when you open the word of God, you realize that you're not always that smart in your life and God's going to start asking you to change some things in your heart and change some things in your thinking and change some things in your life. Why? Because he wants to lead us in his pattern and in his purpose because our foundation needs to be built on the word. And Isaiah 55 is this incredible passage of scripture that really talks about what happens when God's word finds its place at the center. It says this, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink even if you have no money. Come and take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? Listen, and I will tell you where to get food that is good for the soul. Come to me with your ears 
wide open. Listen, for the life of your soul is at stake. I'm ready to make an everlasting covenant with you, and I will give you all the mercies and unfailing love that I promised to David. He displayed my power by being my witness and a leader among the nations. You also will command the nations, and they will come running to obey, because I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, have made you glorious. Seek the Lord while you can find him. Call on him now while he's near. Let the people turn from their wicked deeds. Let them banish from their minds every thought of doing wrong. Heart, head. Let them turn to the Lord that he might have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are completely different from yours, says the Lord's, and my ways are far beyond anything that you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. It says, the rain and the snow come down from the heavens, and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and, and bread for the hungry, and it's the same with my word. I send it out, and it always produces fruit, and it will accomplish all that I want it to your hands where... The mountains and hills will burst into song and the trees of the field will clap their hands where once there were thorns, cypress trees will grow, where briars grew, myrtles will sprout up. This miracle will bring great honor to the Lord's name and it will be an everlasting sign of his power and of his love. You see, when the word of God becomes foundational, we start seeing the fruit of things that God talks about. The the disconnect of life in in the beginning of Isaiah 55 is that we're chasing, we're buying, we're going after all of these things. But God says, if you would would come and you would listen, you would open your ears, you would open your hearts to see what I want to do and you would let me sow my word into you that you don't have to be lost and weary and frantic. You can follow the pattern of my word you can move forward without staggering about and you can live and trust and believe that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts and his ways are greater even when we don't understand them and and it's greater than anything we could come up with on our own or do as a church or or tell somebody but we come to realize that it's by the power of his word and the foundation of truth that it's where we find true peace, true satisfaction, and true joy. We're not going to find it any other way, but it's his word, it's his truth that produces life in us and life in the world around us. Come on, let's stand this morning. You know, I want to be a people that... Says God, we're gonna we're gonna move and we're gonna run and we're gonna go forward and we're gonna do incredible things. But God, we're gonna we're gonna pay attention to the foundations. We're gonna pay attention to the pattern of Your Word. We're gonna give it its place and give it its authority in the church and in our house and in our lives. Why? Because God wants to bring peace, joy, satisfaction, and reproduce fruit in in us and in the world around us.
thanks again for tuning into the Saints Church podcast, and be sure to come back next week as we continue this brick by brick series. I'll see you then.